who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Les hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons have found. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbian shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Hang Out. I'm Ellie Brigida. And I'm Lee Holmes Foster, and here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise, and we want to remind you of our Season 5 Patreon campaign, which you can join at bit.ly slash lespatreon. Once we get to 150 patrons, we will start releasing bonus episodes for all of you. There are also a bunch of really fun things in between. We're going to try to be doing a virtual house party for all of our patrons where you can hang out in Zoom with us. We did this for my birthday party and it was really fun where we had like a room where you could play drinking games, a room where you could play Jackbox games, Jackbox games. a room where oh, you could yeah. just hang out and chat. So it did actually feel like you were at like a real house party where you could go into wherever you want. You all don't want to miss Zoom Flip Cup. It's an experience. It is. It's wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of an experience, we're also going to have another great experience coming up, which is the opportunity to watch us and bad queers break down rent live on zoom it's gonna be incredible we're so excited we can't wait if you heard our episode with bad queers you know that we talked about uh musicals and whether you're a bad queer if you do or or don't like musicals so we're gonna we're gonna dive into you know some some deep feelings on how we all feel about rent the movie at least we're gonna be watching the movie okay can't wait if you want to see us live, minus Lee, very, very sad, you can see the list here. You can see parts of the Let's Hang Out team in the flame at Klexicon. That's October 8th through the 10th in Vegas. We are so excited to meet some of you there. We also are going to have so much fun trivia coming up. So again, we're going to be doing spooky queer trivia uh, for Halloween. So coming up on October 26th and October 30th, we're going to have all sorts of questions from some of our favorite spooky and horror movies. Uh, We're very excited. 
And tell us about our next trivia event after that, Ellie. I'm so excited. So we're going to be hosting Orphan Black Trivia with Realm. Realm are the producers of the Orphan Black podcast with Tatiana Maslany, which is so cool. Tatiana will not be joining us for trivia, unfortunately. However, we'll be there for trivia. She'll be there in our hearts. She'll be there in our hearts. She'll be there all over the PowerPoint. (laughs) And we're going to be doing that on November 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We cannot wait. In the greater Les universe, can I talk about this? I feel like we're about to have a mini episode. (laughs) It really got me fired up. We are going to talk for a while about this. So in the greater Les universe, we heard recently that Raven Simone turned down Raven Baxter being a lesbian in Raven's Home. So Raven's Home is the reboot of That's So Raven. It is very, very gay. Even if Raven Simone thinks that Raven Baxter is not gay, we will get into that. But here's what she said, (laughs) and I'll just let her quote speak. Raven said, you know what? There was a conversation before the series started, and I was asked the question, would you like Raven Baxter to be a lesbian? And I said no, Raven revealed. The reason I said no wasn't because I wasn't proud of who I was or I didn't want to represent the LGBTQ plus community in any way. It was because Raven Baxter is Raven Baxter is Raven Baxter. There was no reason for me to change the human that she was in order to fit the actress that played her. And Raven Baxter is a character that I was proud to play. Even if she is straight, cisgender, I don't mind. Let her have her moments. Incorrect. (laughs) Incorrect. Listen, I we I we totally should have just done an episode about this. We might still. We might. We probably will. Whenever we do Raven's Home, should have been gay. We will have a whole. So let me let me very concisely say my feelings about this uh, as short in as short an amount of time as I can, which is it would have been super meaningful for many people of like uh, our generation to have seen Raven grown up and coming out that's a big deal that's like a touch point that people can relate to and also it is really important to have QPOC uh people on our screens and this would have been a great opportunity to have that played by a QPOC actress that's it that's my thoughts my final thought is Raven Baxter is Raven Baxter is Raven Baxter is Raven Baxter was straight when she was in high school it's like years later like you can yeah People can evolve and change and like it wouldn't have been a disservice to the character of Raven Baxter to make it's, her gay. She already it's is. It's not only not only would it not have <laughs> she is gay. Not only would it not have been a disservice to Raven Baxter, the character, it is a disservice to people to anyone who comes out later in life to pretend like that is not a thing that can happen. Yes. And that's an incredibly like subtle but harmful thing that's happening in that quote. So that's yes. all. Let's let's just we'll leave it at that. I'm like, sorry, I just want to say one thing. <laughs> I will also say that I do understand what she is saying of like, as an actor, she doesn't have to her all of her characters don't have to be gay because she is gay. But I yes. do feel like it was such a great opportunity for her to say like, okay, she doesn't have to be. But if she can, that's cool. That's all. All right. Our next thing. <laughs> Here we go. I'm keeping all my thoughts inside. Have that's you all seen I'm this doing. music video? So. I haven't yet. I've seen some of the screenshots from it, though. Muna and Phoebe Bridgers recreated Butama Cheerleader in their new music video for Silk Chiffon, which is one of their new singles. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Also, watch as many videos as you can of Muna live because, holy crap, it's a good show. I was just, I love this music video. It's like, it does such a perfect job, in my opinion, of like paying tribute to the movie and just like being a bop. It's very good. I, I'm going to check it out. I'll check it out as soon as we're off tonight because I've seen people posting about it all day and I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so good. Amazing. That's what's happening this week. 
Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee, and welcome to our 68th installment of Shoulda Been Gay. Oh, it was fine, it was great, but it should have been a little more gay. And in this week's episode, women are fair game. <laughs> women are fair game. And women we are, are fair game. We are so excited to be talking about Gunpowder Milkshake today with Charlie Jane Anders. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. I love your podcast. It's so great to be here. We're We're really excited excited to to have have you. you. For those of you listening, Charlie Jane Anders is the author of Victories Greater Than Death, the first book in a new young adult trilogy, along with the forthcoming short story collection, Even Greater Mistakes. She's also the author of Never Say You Can't Survive, a book about how to use creative writing to get through hard times. I love that. Have you been using creative writing to get through these hard times, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, every single thing in the book is is me practicing what I preach. And in fact, I wrote that book throughout 2020, which was a time when I definitely needed a lot of, uh, you know, I needed a lot of help from my imagination and through like my kind of storytelling brain to just keep myself in one piece during like a really, really rough year really and this year has been also really rough I gotta be honest so uh you know those essays are kind of me reminding myself as much as anybody else of like how you can kind of get into your own imaginary world and use it to kind of survive really tough stuff really scary stuff in the real world I love that and I know a lot of our listeners can really identify with that I am sure um and I love yeah the idea of using using your creativity to get through it all we we are here for that as well with, you know, creating an entire musical during a pandemic. <laughs> right. I'm excited about the musical. I, I saw, I listened to the episode where you introduced it, but I haven't actually listened to the musical yet. You're oh, in, you're in for a ride. <laughs> Excited. Yeah, we, we've found Keeping Busy helps us, I think. For uh, sure. Get, get through all the times, right? For sure. Yes. But we are here to talk about some other creative writing, I guess. Um <laughs> Good segue, Ellie. I'm gonna. I was gonna say some other ways to get through hard times, like killing everyone. It's, we each have our segues, Ellie. You know, <laughs> I like yours better. But <laughs> do you want to do our IMDb synopsis, Lee? I'm really excited for this one. I do because I already I have so many questions. So for anyone who hasn't yet watched Gunpowder Milkshake, it's on Netflix. Here is the IMDb synopsis. Three generations of women fight back against those who could take everything from them. Hmm. <laughs> question mark? What are your, que- what are your questions? What are your questions of my, this? My question is, who are the three generations supposed to be? Is it, it are the, the aunts counting as one generation? No, I and think then they're em- considering no. the rest of them? Or is Emily, Emily the last is generation? The third generation? I think the little girl is the, the, the new generation, the, the next generation. Okay. I just feel like this, they're like, it's a lot of lumping. It's a lot of lumping. (laughs) There's some lumping women together that's happening for me in this IMDb synopsis. And yet not enough lumping women women together in this actual (laughs) film. Wow, you nailed it. Nailed it, Ellie. (laughs) You are welcome for that. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I I have some I have some thoughts on the synopsis and on the movie, but we'll get into those first. Let's all do our gay synopsis. So who who should start? Charlie, do you have a gay synopsis ready to go? Yeah, I mean, basically, there is a secret society of hot older ladies who live in a library, which is the greatest thing ever. And they just that's where they live, I guess. They just they spend all their time there, except for when they go to a diner where there's like magical milkshakes that keep you from killing people most of the time and 
So these these ladies have this awesome library society, and they're clearly shacking up together. But all they want to do is help Karen Gillan kill a bunch of dudes for reasons. Yeah. For, yes, correct. The all important reasons <laughs> for reasons. Um, all right, here is mine. It's um short and sweet. So and. Forget about the third generation of women in this, right? Not the youngest generation. Three generations of queer women take down the patriarchy and go down on each other. <laughs> that's the movie I wish I'd watched for sure. Right? Right? That's, okay, yeah, that's, I, that's that for I, me. I think I went to like a slightly more critical, depressing place in my gay synopsis this time, Ellie. I'm not sure what that says about this, but my gay synopsis for this movie, I think, is um, not even in a world that seems to contain only bisexual lighting and polyamory are we safe from barrier gays. Yeah. Point. That's point. That's that's yeah. gonna be my synopsis. I mean, you really you buried the lead there. I mean, that's you <laughs> spoiled the entire ending. At the beginning. I'm so sorry. But. Um, go watch the movie. It, I, I have nothing to say for myself. I do agree. I mean, yeah, we should definitely talk about the barrier gaze. But so let's talk. What was our experience with this film? Charlie, you had some thoughts before we logged on. So what, what was your experience with Gunpowder Milkshake? You know, I feel like there's almost two movies there. There's like the movie that just wants to be kind of like a tr- an homage to like Zack Snyder and you know Guy Ritchie and other and like other random action directors of like the last 20 years and it's just kind of serving up you know kind of lukewarm action movie beats in like a very kind of you know here we put these in the microwave for 15 seconds hope you like it kind of thing (laughs) with women (laughs) we just sprinkled some women on top right and And then uh... there's the other movie which is a movie about like the secret society of ladies living in a library and having guns hidden inside books. I have so many questions about that. Do all the books yes. have guns in them? Do some of the books just have like books? Like at one point she hands her a book that's just for reading. So I don't know. But anyway, so they live in a gun library, which I think is kind of fun. And like there's all this stuff that we just kind of glimpse that's so interesting and cool and awesome that we never get to see because we have to spend most of our time, you know, with you know, watching Karen Gillan fight random dudes and be chased by, and having random dudes sit around talking about how they're going to kill Karen Gillan. And like, it's like, no, just more of the ladies in the library, please. Just explain that to us. Please and thank you. Yeah, for sure. Just a whole movie about the aunts. That's all we need. Yeah, I feel like um, that's a huge reason why we have to have this shit about gay, right? Like that was the biggest missed opportunity in this entire movie. Of like, okay, so you have all of these hot women in suits who clearly have slept together and are like, yeah, like are madly in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And yet we just get like a handhold between them and we only get like one fight scene with them. Like we know nothing about them besides like they raised this girl and probably like anime and Scarlet had a thing, but like you you blink and miss it. <laughs> I mean, there's right? like, they at all one had, point, they all like, you know, Michelle Yeoh kisses Carla Gugino on the cheek. And it's just this like, oh, okay, wait. Oh, no. Yeah. It was like Lucy yep. and the football. 
Exactly. That's why I'm saying this is, this is, it's funny, we're recording this like right after, I think yesterday for Autostraddle, Drew Gregory wrote a great article about like as, um, can queer creators like kill queer characters in the stuff that they're creating? And like, what an important question and discussion. And like, obviously the answer is yes, but then you look at this movie and you're like, and this is why dudes shouldn't <laughs> this is why what i'm assuming are two straight dudes who wrote this movie shouldn't do this because you wrote like very obviously gay characters and then gave us no information on them none of their stories no characters no no nothing and then kill one of them for no purpose other than to i guess further the plot maybe but hmm, this is just like heavy-handed barrier gaze this is all it is i'm like there's not much else going on we can we can get into the argument of like is it canon gay and therefore does it this is barrier gaze <laughs> come on i agree Wait, textbook also, example also when barrier gaze. I'm sorry when you were talking about the writers I was like wait let me see who the writers are like what do they look like they look at the, like two of the men trying to kill her like they <laughs> they like are bald have huge beards I'm like what it's, it's for sure two dudes and I don't know anything about them as writers or anything about their lives but I'm just I'm projecting onto the universe these are two straight dudes I refuse to believe otherwise uh, it hurts me Seems so badly to see their faces, actually. Like, it actually <laughs> is giving my heart palpitations. What makes me sad? It's a lot. And that's because here's the thing. I I, tr- I want to believe. I mean, again, I know, I know nothing about these men. I'm sorry, men. No, I'm not. But I, I know nothing about these men. I want to believe in my, in my heart of hearts that they sat down and said, we're going to write a cool kick-ass women's action film and we're gonna have women and they're gonna have guns and they're gonna like take down a whole army with just them and she's gonna do all these cool fights and it's gonna be awesome she's such a cool assassin but instead what happened is I feel like they wrote a whole movie of like let's write a movie where men ruin women's lives repeatedly and endlessly and violently and I'm like well you did do a great job writing that movie yes a plus work boys (laughs) like that's that's what we got yay I guess. What makes me sad is that I feel like there's been kind of only recently have we gotten to have like action movies where there's more than one woman in it. Like it used Mm -hmm. to be that like even if the woman was the ostensible lead, there would only be one woman in the movie. There'd be like like the first Wonder Woman movie is a great example of that. There are a bunch of others which came out in the last like 10, 15 years where it's like one awesome kick-ass lady and a bunch of dudes. And like all, yeah. her, all her friends are dudes. All her like the old guard comes to mind as an example of that. Like, you know, there's basically like Charlize Theron and then all her dude friends. And then I guess there's one lady who joins them who is like who Charlize Theron does not hook up with or maybe she does. I can't remember actually now. Um, I don't think she does because she she had that whole love story like she's like tortured and in love like she literally I don't think she hooks up with anyone in the film because she's still in love with this woman from like 500 years ago right that's right but there's this trend of like you know until recently like you could have one lady in an action movie and then everybody else is just kind of you know it's all dudes 
all cis dudes. And like, I feel like now we've started getting these more action movies where there's like a group of kick-ass ladies teaming up. Like, you know, Harley Quinn comes to mind, Widows. There's been a bunch of them in the last couple of years. But Charlie's even Angels. aside from Charlie's Angels, well, yeah, I actually really liked the, Char- the Charlie's Angels reboot with Kristen Stewart. I thought that was actually pretty good. And, you know, Kristen Stewart definitely brought some queerness to it. But in general, you don't get to see the kick-ass ladies having, like, much in the way of relationships and definitely not much in the way of romance. Like, they yeah. just, all they could do is kind of pout at the camera and then, you know, often random dudes who are on the sidelines get more de- development than the ostensible leads of the film. Which, yep. you know, yeah, just, and at least yeah. to be fair, no one in this movie got any development. <laughs> There's just, there was very little of it to go around. So I don't think that they, it doesn't feel like they did a ton of like developing the men over anyone else. It just feels like none of the characters were, were super fleshed out. You know, at least for me, the reason I feel so like cheated by that is I'm like, they're so obviously all gay. So yeah. can, we, can we talk a little bit about how gay, how gay everyone is. I don't know who we want to start with or if you had anyone specific, Charlie, that you wanted to dive into first because I, I feel like we're going to have some thoughts. I mean, Angela Bassett, for sure, like anime, her her outfits are amazing in this movie and she's just like, she's got such a powerful kind of like alpha dyke vibe in that film. Oh that God, yes. It was very disappointing that, you know, like again, any kind of relationship developing, even if it wasn't like overtly romantic, would have been really welcomed. I do have to push back slightly on what you said a moment ago. I feel like the movie kind of like in its heart really cared about Paul Giamatti. Like Paul Giamatti. Is that, like, wait, really is that, Nathan, is that like, Nathan? That's Nathan. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah. It was like the movie really thought that Nathan was a super fascinating character who we should like, you know, his struggles with like how he's going to like, how he has to throw Karen Gillan under the bus. I felt like he got like in some ways... I don't know, but I I agree that nobody. Really I mean, got much he did, but you film. still don't know why. Who is he? What is his story? What is the firm? What does he do? How well, did he yeah. end up with being such an important part of Scarlet's life that she like left her daughter with him? Like, you still don't get any of the who are you and why do you matter in this story kind of development. Point. Like, no one gets that, <laughs> you know. So Point. I agree. I mean, I think in terms of in terms of characters who have any real weight in the story he certainly gets a decent amount for playing like a a pretty minimal role but but I still don't feel like I know anything about him you know or or why he cares about her or how he like there's just there's so many there's so many very there's honestly too many questions questions. I think too I'm sure Charlie you probably have lots of thoughts about like the world building in this as an author yourself. Yeah. Like the world building is very, like they just tried to build too many things that like they didn't get deep enough on because they just spent it on action sequences, right? Like why can't you use a gun in the diner? What's the relevance? Until you can. Until you can. Until you can. Yeah. Until they all show up with their guns and none of the army of thugs notices them. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, very we. It's, it's, it's a little weak. Clunky. We know this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a clunky at best. But back to the gay. So back to anime's like uh excellent excellent suit and vest combo. Like yeah, we could just oh I could God. talk about that for a while. I mean, should we just talk Everybody's about the outfits? Everybody's crazy for a sharp dressed lady. You know? Oh my God, that was the you know the fashions in this movie were generally pretty great. I gotta say, whoever was the costume designer was on point. 
And, yeah. And, and the gay. sets, the sets were just gorgeous. Like, there were some gorgeous sets, like the library sets. And, like, when they go into the other parts of the library and suddenly there's, like, and dioramas, <laughs> there's, like, oh, here's the undersea diorama. Here's the, yeah. like, weird forest dior- diorama. It's, like, oh, yeah, of course, their library slash armory is also has dioramas because why wouldn't you in you know a library a gun library yeah you know it just i felt like a lot of stuff in this movie was really kind of motivated by what would look cool but you know it's i and that's maybe that's another good point of something i will give them credit for while because what what you were just talking about before charlie about like what we tend to get in a lot of the like female fronted action films i will say we did not have a whole troop of like scantily clad, like boobs hanging out, jumping around in a little speedo, <laughs> killing men. Like they are in, they're in reasonable like pants, True. suit vests. I'm into it. I'm into the the bowling jacket. Like you know, they all look like the kind of women that I'm like, sure, I could believe you convincingly like run around and you know just massacre scores of men in that outfit why not yeah you got you know perfectly serviceable shoes and like you're not running around in high heels and a thong like doing this so a plus yes to the costume team but also they're so gay they're all in button downs they're all in vests she's in her little blazer i'm so here for it like even carla gugino's character madeline you know she's got like the cute little sweater so adorable she's so cottagecore but even she's in pants you know like they're all in practical practical clothing so good for good for them i will give them that because i did enjoy seeing women where i'm like yeah that those are your you know sure you're all lesbians and that's what you wear to run your little murder library i buy it i want to talk a little bit about the backstory that we didn't get but that i feel like we all can assume, and I know they wanted to imply, but I, coming from a should have been gay perspective, I'm like, okay, you wanted to imply it, but like straight people would not get it. So like if straight people won't get it, it's not gay enough. That's my like main thing. Yeah. But the, very, the backstory that they clearly were trying to do, right, is like when Scarlett comes back, also shout out to Lena Hetty because, you know, we love her because Imagine Me and You and just everything. Um, also, has, has anyone seen Twist? It's a very, no. very new movie, but she plays Bill Sykes in like an Oliver. It's like a twist on Oliver Twist. And she is Bill Sykes. Oh. Interesting. And she is also with Nancy. So like she's gay in it. It, it was interesting. Amazing. We could talk about it another time. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I want to see that. But I've seen so many. I'm happy that Game of Thrones is over because now, like, she can do all of these things, right? Like, we're going to see her so much more on our screens and it makes me really happy. Sorry, that was a side. But clearly the backstory. Because Anna Mae was the m- most pissed out of everyone that she left. Right? Like, right. most pissed. She's the one who, like, takes, like, the front line when Scarlet comes into that library and she's like, you left us. But, like, you left me is, like, the heavily implied gayness that we see there. And then, like, the other two, Florence and Madeline, are clearly also together. But, Lee, you think it's a poly situation? Well, okay. Here's the thing. 
I am so fascinated by this is why I wish they had just made the whole movie nothing but this because I'm like I want the backstory I want the dynamics I want more of their interactions because I agree there is clearly something between Florence and Madeline like for sure 100% there is also clearly something between anime and Scarlet but at the same time, when they do that little, you know, like a flying duck V with anime at the front to have that conversation with Scarlet, the first person that Scarlet talks to is she says that she has this little moment and she goes, hi, Madeline. And Madeline goes, hi, Scarlet. And they like share a very pointed look there, right? Like something is happening. And then there's also the moment where Florence like has to calm anime down and they're like having that whole moment of like, she's like miming, like breathing to her and they're sharing this moment. So like, I want to know, I just want a whole movie about their relationship because I have to imagine there was some sort of like, either like poly quad that was like based around like two primary couples that were all sort of also together or like, or I don't know what, or they had like a thruple originally that like Scarlet was then like joined into somehow and then like dropped. I don't know, but I want to know. That's the whole point. <laughs> There's more going on than just, than just uh, Florence and Madeline and Scarlet and anime. That's all I'm saying. And it, it really feels like they were co-parenting like the Karen Gillan character who's, I can't, I don't remember the name of the series of any characters. I'm sorry, but they were co-parenting her. They all act like Sam is their, is their collective daughter and like they're all kind yeah. of her parent figures. And like, you know, I kind of just picture the four of the older ladies just being kind of like some kind of group marriage slash poly. You might be right. It's two couples who kind of like sometimes cross over between each other, but there, I feel there like, was some some sort of overlap, some level of overlap. It's unclear what. But it makes you wonder because, like, why would, you know, Scarlet leave Sam with, like, Nathan when, you know, the other three moms were right there? Like, yeah. she has three other moms who could have totally well, taken care of her. and she has three other moms who are, like, murder machines, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's the other thing that I don't understand about the whole plot in a general sense, is it's like, I couldn't leave you with the aunts at the murder library. It wasn't safe. And I'm like, you had, like, some ragtag team of random Russians that was mad at you, and instead, now, you have, like, this entire army from some other secret organization that we never know the name of or what they do oh, and the McAllister people or whatever yeah, yeah. We, they don't have they don't even have a name like we don't even know who they are we just know they're they sound like they're supposed to be scarier than whoever was after you 15 years ago and now you're just like cool we're going to wipe the floor with them because we are unstoppable murder women who nobody can touch and like no dude can ever like lay a finger on us and so it wasn't safe then but this is fine we're just gonna like waltz in with no plan and uh you know 80 dudes after us i the whole thing feels a little eh, stretched for me so i understand what you're saying however i think you could also think about it like she didn't want to leave her with the moms because she loved them so much and she was like, it's not safe in the way that, like, she knew that Nathan was part, honestly, like, more part of the people who were hunting her. And if she left her daughter with the moms at the library, they would also be in danger. So maybe her thought was like, let me save my lover yeah. and my child. Yeah. I don't know. It's 
feels a little, it feels like a little bit of a stretch. Any way we're going to paint it, I think my response is going to be, eh, was it though? You're right. So we I just kinda, cut Nathan I out completely. I have to agree with Lee. I'm just like, you know, the more I think about it, the more that bugs me because it's like, you know, especially if Scarlet didn't want Sam to follow in her footsteps and work for the firm, which by the way, is reminding me of like a terrible, like early nineties workout video that my ex used to watch all the time. <laughs> um, if if Scarlett really didn't want, you know, Sam to, to work with the firm, why hand her daughter over to the guy who's in charge of, like, recruiting for the firm instead of these other ladies? And this actually brings me to other questions that are now bugging me. Like, what do anime and the others do for money? How do they afford this giant building with all this incredible stuff? And like, a, Well, it sounds huge... like they sell people guns, right? But they actually are super, when, when Sam shows up and says, I want to get some guns, they act all like, no, we don't sell guns. No. Well, they act like they don't sell guns to people they don't know already, like that don't come with a referral or that they don't have like a prior relationship with. But also, how do you not recognize, like, how do you have a random, unattached, uh, like murder woman with red hair walk in and like none, not a single one of you is like, oh, are you our daughter? <laughs> but Lee, they couldn't see her hair, years. the hat. So it was true, the hat. she didn't have the hat. <laughs> it was the hat. Silly me for getting the hat. Uh, yeah. Can we wait? I'm sorry. While we dig in on this hat, can we talk about <laughs> Sam a little bit? Because the uh, the obvious gay, right? Like the obvious gay are the aunts and Scarlet and whatever is happening between the four of them. Like there's, we all see it, ladies. There's something going on. But I want to talk about Sam and how clearly, like, the very opening sequence of this movie is they just insane. I like. I swear they don't know that lights that are not blue and pink exist to light a scene. Every scene with her, the the diner starts out with bisexual lighting. The bowling alley, all bisexual lighting. Like she is constantly backlit in blue and pink this entire movie and i'm like nobody it, i'm it's the year of our lord 2021 no one is making that choice without knowing what they're doing come on i'm ashamed to admit i hadn't really thought about it like that but you're totally right gosh she's just like a bisexual light follows her wherever she goes she's just yes like, she's got a halo a bi halo <laughs> a bisexual halo that's it and the whole movie like I mean, name a man that she talks to in the movie that she doesn't kill. It's just, you know, it's like, come on. There's there's some things happening in this movie. Like, she's an independent woman who doesn't need a man and has nothing but bisexual lights following her around. And it's just like, I'm just going to casually tase this guy in the balls. That sounds like fun. Like, I don't think Sam is the the straightest character I've ever seen in my life. Let's put it that way. Oh, and then that comment of women women are fair game. Come on. I did, come on. I did love that quote. She has an I heart kittens bag. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> I feel like I wrote other gay, gay, gay things, but I can't remember. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. It was more about when Scarlet's talking about anime. Sorry, I'm like, just like quotes. When Scarlet is talking about anime in the like flat, 
she specifically calls out anime before the others. She says, I knew anime and the others from work. Like, the first person she talks about is anime. And then she says, she and the others took us in best years of my life. So I just, I still can't get over, like, you're the... They completely missed out on telling that's like, why didn't they just start with that story? Like, that should have been the first film that they made. I want a prequel, but also, like, why didn't you just start there? Yeah, and then you could get emotionally invested in Madeline before they just kill her for no reason. Literally no reason. Literally none. And also, it's frustrating. I'm super frustrated by the fact that they also had her die from just, like, one random dude. Like, everyone else in this movie is like, oh, six guys coming at me with guns? NBD. I have chains. Uh, And then she's like, I have a literal, like, mounted machine gun, but one guy's gonna get a lucky shot in. And you're just like, I hate this. I hate it. It just felt, everything about it felt heavy-handed. What are your thoughts on the barrier gaze in this, Charlie? I mean, uh, I feel like they wanted to kill someone in that giant climactic scene to sort of, the the usual reason you kill like a character we care about is just to be like, now it's really, you know, this proves that there's real stakes or whatever, or, you know, and it just, uh, it felt very, I don't know, it felt very unearned and also like we didn't get to know that character well enough for her death to have an impact. And you know, it just, it felt like maybe because she was the femiest of them. She was the femiest. She was had that kind of like, you know, cottagecore outfit or whatever you all were saying. And so she was the one who had to die because everybody else is a little bit more butch, I guess. I don't know. It felt very... The audacity of those writers. I was, How dare I you? I was not pleased. I was not pleased at all. I was like, come on. Like, you know... This is a fantasy world. She could easily survive, like, whatever. Like, even though she was, I mean, I felt like she was shot in the heart and then kept fighting for another 20 minutes. So that is impressive. It's impressive to be shot actually through the heart and then fight for another, like, 15, 20 minutes. That's, you know, you got to head it to her. But I was, I definitely felt like, you know, after that kiss between her and the Michelle Yeoh character, I was really kind of hoping that this was going somewhere. And then it just felt like, she dies, they kind of like have a very quickie rushed funeral for her. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, whatever. Now we got to go get the little girl. Well, and it's, the thing is it's, it's pointless. And that's the other, that's the, the biggest thing that I hate in, in a barrier gaze is like, if it's a barrier gaze and there's not even a reason for it, like it feels like they were trying to lean too hard into, oh, she got shot and that's how he managed to grab Emily. Like, there are a million other ways that you could have had him get the girl, right? Like, he could have gotten Emily any number of of ways. You just have Mm -hmm. her like, oh, I sent her to carry this to the car and he was hiding on the side of the car and he just grabbed her and ran. And like, that's good. That's good enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have to kill her for Emily to get kidnapped in that scene. There's no need for it. And it it changes nothing nothing else. They don't even linger on it. They're just like, oh, she's just going to cradle her body in the back of the truck and they bury her. And then I guess they're going to go fight the same guys that they were already fighting. That's it. Even if like Florence got like far more enraged and was like going on a revenge spree even. But it's like. Right. Yes. Have it trigger something. It did nothing. It did nothing to further the plot. It was completely unnecessary. Yeah. And I think too, I feel like people care about the death 
more just because it's Carla Gugino. <laughs> like, you just Point. like the second you saw her, you're like, oh my God, love her so much. But like, they did nothing for her character development. Like, no. I cry at everything. Lee, Lee knows this. Every person who's ever heard this podcast knows. I did not. Oh my God, did you not I did cry not when she died? I cry when she died. I'm I swear so, to God, I'm it so was like you, a Ellie. small, like, I felt like a little feeling behind my eyes, and I was like, what is this? And nothing came out. Aww. I know. And like that is I kinda I kinda tragic. love it though, because while you do cry it, everything. And what does that tell you about how little we knew about Madeline's character? That it, it not even that, not even that could do well, it. Well, I thought so I had Twitter always ruins everything, but it's fine. Like one of the reasons we wanted to do this is because Twitter is Twitter, the Twitter is talking all about this film. But like <laughs> somebody said something about barrier gaze but i didn't i saw it and then i was like oh god i don't want to see it so i knew somebody was gonna die but i didn't know who and i feel like they should have killed scarlet if they were gonna kill anyone yeah because like yeah that's fair she's the one who has to atone for whatever the heck she has to atone for yeah i mean it makes still makes no sense but like oh someone's gonna die i was like oh the mom's gonna die because she just finally got reunited with her daughter and like they finally have a relationship and then she dies and her daughter's like, oh, I love you, mom. And blah, blah. like that would have been a little more emotionally interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that I want her to die at all, but it would have felt it just like made it no sense. actually did something for the story. Like, you know, especially if Scarlett gets to die saving her daughter or atoning or, you know, fixing her mistakes or something. That's that's something. Yeah. Like I thought in the big battle, there was going to be a moment where Sam almost dies, and then Scarlet's like, no, my baby, and then she's dead, but no. Just this, yeah, Yeah. but no. Just this machine gun wasn't enough for one man. Hey, to be fair, he was, you know, on the other side of a wall, so, I mean, foolproof plan. (sighs) What what was she supposed to do? Also, like, yeah, I do it, not believe it was it was disappointing. I do not believe for a second that Madeline is that much of an idiot to keep shooting the machine gun when she doesn't even see the whites of his eyes. Yes, no, absolutely not. Do you know what I mean? That like she was shooting a machine gun into empty me, air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to waste all of my bullets shooting at nothing. I have I have an important question while we're on Madeline still. Uh Madeline and and Florence, I guess. What did what do you think she whispered in her ear in that super important pivotal slow-mo scene that we get no insight into or information about and yet we spent you know like a a solid 30 seconds watching Florence lean in and whisper in her ear and Madeline smiles what did she what did she say what do we think Man, I just Googled it, and apparently, like, the actors kind of made up something amongst themselves. I honestly don't know. Like, it's super random. And, like, you know, I feel like, like everything else in this movie, it's kind of style over substance. It's just, like, they want to have a placeholder thing there that they can be, like, you know, something really meaningful happened, but we don't need to know what it is because we're just going on to but the next why, action But that's scene. why I think, like, let's headcanon it. In your in your version, what does she whisper? Do you? What about... Do you have a, a thought, Ellie? What would she whisper in her ear if I, you were writing the movie? I feel like she just says, don't forget the machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I mean, the most obvious thing is just like, I love you, whatever. But um, I love that you're going so sweet with it. And like, what does it tell you? Because I, I made Kelsey watch this with me. 
Kelsey leans over to me and she was like, so what does she whisper in her ear? Like, think of all the sex we'll have after this. Oh my God. <laughs> I also just, just gonna slaughter some men and then I also just like to think right of to like bed. all these men in the editing room who are like, oh, what a tasteful, beautiful lesbian moment. Look, we did it. Uh, we did it, men. We gave we did it. We gave They have a ban they have the we did it banner behind yeah, them. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Look at we gave the gays what they want. In a yeah. movie where nobody ever is canonically confirmed as gay. Yeah, that that would be that would be peak peak way to do it. There's an article on Den of Geek where they talked to the director who also co-wrote the script and asked him about the whisper and asked him about like the queer subtext in the movie. And he said, there are deeper, more valuable connections that we wanted to portray in a very, very subtle way. We wanted Ew. to create this rich history between the characters the moment you see them. You understand it goes deeper and longer, deeper and longer, and that there are emotions that have been bottled up for so many years. And he says that, you know, the, there was definitely something going on with anime and Scarlet, and they weren't trying to avoid this, and they have great chemistry but only the actors know what Florence is whispering to Madeline in this moment. The producers wanted me to tell them, but no one else knows. So the actors just had to come up in their own mind with, I think, yeah, I'm... there was something like, I'm going to bring the baby oil. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've got, I don't even know. Yes, please, please come up with something to take my mind off of that quote you just read, because I, I'm like, I'm throwing up in my mouth right now a little oh, bit. At like, how... How well, how dismissive and somehow strangely phallic imagery can we get in a quote? Like, oh, well, I, boy. I mean, let's just talk generally about subtlety. I mean, our this entire freaking segment, right, should have been gay, is about all the subtext that people have been throwing at us for years mm -hmm. For years, okay? We have, we've done episodes on shows from the 1950s. We've done episodes on, like, things all the way up till now. It is, in 2021, I don't want to see subtle queer characters. And subtle queer characters are not queer characters who hold hands once. If you want to write me a subtle queer character, give me Florence and fucking Madeline kissing goodbye. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be, like, let's, like, you know what I mean? Or, like... Give me a flashback scene with anime and Scarlet, right? Where, like, Scarlet leaves in the night and anime's naked in bed. Give me that. That's, like, That's subtle. That's subtle gay. What we have is is subtle nothing. Yeah. Right? Like, like nothing. What you have are gay characters that you refuse to explicitly make gay, even in a subtle way. While also talking about the deeper, longer, more important connections that that people can have with each other, sir, please, <laughs> please listen. Yeah. I'm sorry I found that quote now. I feel like it's just. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, oh, I'm so was... I'm so glad you found it because now I feel so uh, justified in my oh, anger man. at this yeah. film. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting because they they really kind of asked him about the queer subtext that he kind of dodged on it. In a, in a sad way. I was going to say my favorite subtext moment is when we first kind of like when Sam first shows up at the library and they're like asking her what type she is. And I yeah. feel like that's so loaded with so much like, oh, I think they like it's almost like they're asking her, you know, I mean, what type she is like, 
what you Listen, know, what she's Listen, just tell us into, if you're a sports into. gay, like Madeline could use a cottagecore friend. We're both clearly on the masks side of the spectrum. Like, do you like to hang shelves? Do you make your own furniture? Just give mm-hmm. us something to go on here, you know? They're like looking at her guns, which are, you know, that's obviously a very loaded, quote unquote, no fun intended. It's a very loaded image. They're looking at her guns being like, oh, you took good care of these guns. You're romantic. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, no, I'm not a type. And they're like, everybody has a type, honey. And they're just like, you know, they're just trying to figure out what type she is so they could set her up with one of their cute lady friends. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, everybody has a type. Let us dig through your iHeartKittens bag and just find out, like, what kind of equipment you like to strap on and let's just talk about it a bit, okay? (laughs) Just what every good aunt should do. I was going to go a little less um, explicit (laughs) and just say, you know, it's like astrology gaze where they're like, What's your sign and like who's compatible with you? But yeah, agreed. The strap on analogy also works, Lee. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to and help. Again, they're like handling her like very phallic objects that, you know, in these movies, they're always, uh, guns are always kind of a stand in for, you know, for the phallus, I guess. And they're, they're talking about like how romantic her handling them of is, handling of them is, and, and how what they can, tell about her type from them so make of that what you will if the director's gonna talk about deeper and longer i think he opened that door and we are allowed to walk through it that's all (laughs) that's all i know okay well she also like she has not gotten new weapons in 15 years right maybe not 15 years but this is she likes a classic this is the first time she's ever gotten a new weapon like that's like that was the point of it right like he was like you have to give in your old toys that you like have literally held on to for like 10 years wait also how old is sam uh that's a good question she's got to be like later 20s maybe yeah i was to me she looks like she's supposed to be like 10 ish in the 15 year back flashback right i was picking her as 12-ish in the 15-year-old flashback. So she's, like, late 20s. They, you know, they give Lena Headey this, like, line where she says, I was very young when I had you. Just so that we know that she's, you know, just so that, yeah, just to make it clear that Lena's also kind of still young. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna guess late 20s. Like, 30 max. I mean, they're not playing Mm -hmm. her as as more than maybe tweens in that flashback, so. Yeah, I was also I would have said 12. I was confused in the flashback, but I like, I feel like I cannot tell anyone's age anymore, but I was like, I was like, why is this 17 year old like holding a teddy bear? <laughs> like holding it. Yeah. She has a little stuffed tiger or something. But that yeah. makes more sense. It makes way more sense. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Should we, should we do our ships, Ellie, before we, uh, yes, yes. Or before well, we just rip this movie apart anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is there any other gay things that you wanted to talk about, Charlie, before we go into our ships? Any like gay moments you notice or gay things we could have had that didn't that didn't happen i mean you know there's the dudes there's all the dudes who seem very like you know they're i don't know they they have a very kind of like tight relationship all of these dudes who like to go around together especially those three dudes who like are like a a set and they just like hang out together and like probably go to like you know hot tubbing together i'm guessing when they're not like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to kill people i don't know they definitely had a vibe they had a very so these, some of these other, i feel like there's just like a ton of dudes in this movie who all kind of look the same and are you know they all shop at like abercrombie and fitch or whatever and they're all yeah. like 
kind of hanging out at like you know Toad Hall and like drinking the two for one drink specials and watching Queer Eye and just like waiting for the call to go kill someone. I don't know. They probably have their own library, like a dude library where it's like all. Oh, I I can have a man cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely yeah. see that. I also want to give um, just like an honorable mention to Rose from the diner. Yes. Oh my God. Also, just I'm not gonna give that much context of it. Just same thing vibe. Just got a vibe. Vibe. Give us more of Rose and the Bisexual Diner. <laughs> That's yeah, it. I want more of that That's story. It. All right. So what characters are we shipping? We've talked a little bit about this. I'm going to say, obviously, I am hardcore shipping anime and Scarlet. Like, those two need to get over their beef and just get back together. Okay. And what's the name, Ellie? Hit, hit me. Oh, God. Hit us. Do it. Scarmay. Scarmay. Yeah. It's actually not a bad name. And Annalette. There's not a lot. I'm going to get on the Florence Madeline bandwagon and just maybe the ship name is Flormad. And like my theory is that, you know, Madeline faked her death. She's actually fine. She's knitting. She's like, you know, knitting a gun cozy somewhere and she'll be back in the next movie. And she and Florence will be just like, you know, make it out in the back row or whatever of the bus. I'm here for that. Yes. Look, I also have to honorable mention my my poly quad, and I'm going to call them Scarbarians. Ooh, Scarbarians. Oh, that's perfect. I love it. I'm pretty sure they did say that Scarlet was also a librarian. Mm-hmm. At the end. They did. I think she was one of the, they, she was really one, originally one of them, and then she just ghosted them. So rude. But so I shipped rude. them all. So we think Scarlet was a librarian, and then her, um, Oh yeah, because she said she knew them from work, which means she worked with them. Well, from and from her husband's work. And her husband probably too. worked at the firm. I because he was murdered. It's, again, very literally unclear. we'll never know. <laughs> literally, who knows? He seems to matter zero percent, which feels right for her relationship with the librarian. Yes. But I feel like we can all agree we want a librarian prequel with just just the librarians, Scarlet. And Sam is a baby, and like, don't give us anything else. I don't want a sequel if it's not a prequel. I mostly just want Michelle Yeoh doing gay stuff. I'll be honest. Like, and you know, I kept thinking about the heroic trio, which was that amazing. Have you seen heroic trio? Mm-mm. So, heroic trio. If you ever want to see Michelle Yeoh being awesome, it's a Hong Kong film from like 1993, in which she's. She and Anita Moy and Maggie Chung are three superhero ladies who team up to fight crime wearing like little like kind of wearing like leather pants, I think, and little masks. And like, I'm just I'm adding it to our should have been gay list right now. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see Michelle Yeoh and awesome ladies like just teaming up yes. to like kick everybody's butts, that is a great movie. And I feel like. It's 1993. It's Hong Kong. I don't know how. I haven't seen it in a million years. I don't remember how on the surface the lesbian suspect subtext in that movie is, but I I think that you would find it very interesting. And honestly, Michelle Yeoh just deserves so much better. Like yes, she always deserves better. Agreed. And um and we can find the lesbian Amazing. subtext in anything, so don't worry. Um, but we all can agree that gunpowder milkshake should have been gay. Should have been gay. It really should have. Yes, we're going to go into our Q&A. Are you ready, Charlie? I am so ready. 
Q, and A. All right, here we go. Our first question. What's your favorite type of milkshake? A, vanilla, B, chocolate, C, strawberry, or D, swirl? Oh, I'm going to go with swirl because that sounds kind of exciting. It sounds very vaguely, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with swirl. I love it. You're like, it's so fluid. Best of all worlds. so deep. I'm like, that's just our first question. Charlie's still talking for 15 minutes. Like, so swirl because I'm part this and part that and you mix it together. And (laughs) I love it though. I love it. It's, I mean, you know, swirl, it's probably, it's the most bisexual milkshake. Yeah. So yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Question two, who is the gayest librarian? A, Scarlet, B, Florence, C, Madeline, or D, anime? Oh, anime. No question. God. Correct answer. The suits. The suits. The suits. I want that suit, man. I want that outfit. She looked dope. I love it. Question number three, would you forgive the woman who killed your father? A, yes. B, no. Or C, if it was Sam? Man, if it was Sam, if she like apologized really nicely and like, you know, maybe gave me a milkshake or something, I, you know, I can't be bad at Karen Gillan. You know, yep. I just can't. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to do it. Question four. This is a tough one. What's the best fight scene in Gunpowder Milkshake? A, the bowling alley. B, the hospital. C, the library. Or D, the diner. Oh, I'm definitely going to go with the hospital. I actually, you know what? I thought that the fight scenes were well done. I liked the fight scenes. I felt like at a certain point, like by the the final one in the in the by the library fight scene, I was starting to kind of check out a little bit because it just felt like it was kind of getting repetitive. But I really loved. Yeah. I feel like the thing where she can't use her arms is really fun, and it reminded me of the underrated Jackie Chan movie, The Tuxedo, where he has like a magic suit, but at one point he's only wearing the pants, so he can't he can only fight with his legs and not his arms. So I don't know. I'm gonna say that the hospital that was actually a genuinely inventive fun fight scene. The yeah. hospital scene. It was, was fun. Good, I, I agree. I think their fight scenes were fun. I I think the library, I wish they had just I feel like if they had if you had shown us more of the library itself, like mm-hmm. shown us the dioramas to start, shown us some of the books and the stuff that's hiding in them, like I feel like you could have made it so much more engaging, you know, true. than they did. Really Instead, true. it did. It started kind of to drag because you're just like, but I don't know any of these things that are happening. I guess they're just going to like go and find weapons everywhere. Okay. Or gold bars. Or gold bars, yeah. Or gold bars. But yeah, the hospital scene was inventive for sure. All right, question number five, and I'll add another one for you, Lee. Who's your favorite librarian couple? A, Anime and Scarlet, B, Florence and Madeline, or C, all of the above? I just got to go with all of the above. I mean, I'm I'm increasingly buying into the sort of polyquad theory that Lee was advancing. I think that they were just all, you know, they were all kind of shacking up together and maybe Scarlet's quote-unquote husband was just like you know he just was there to kind of go out and get them milk at the grocery store or whatever I don't know he was like wait sorry I just I just had a really important thought which is because I now I don't remember but did she ever even actually call him her husband she calls him Sam's father she talks about Sam's father right I don't remember right do they ever even clarify that relationship like he could have just been like oh here's my also very gay best friend who was a donor so that we could have a baby they don't even say, so I, they don't. you know. We'll never know. Sperm donor. Because they'll never, never, ex- they'll never expand on anything in this universe. Uh, <laughs> I know. They just wanted the entire universe to be subtle. They want us to make up our own answers for everything. 
our own deeper and longer yeah, answers. Yeah, yeah. That's all. And that's what we've done here. We've succeeded. We Mission accomplished. We did it. Charlie, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was such a blast. And, you know, I'm, I feel like this is the best way that I can honor that film is to, like, discuss it with both of you and to really, you know, tease out all of the gayness that was kind of, you know, I don't want to say buried, but that was buried in that film. Yeah, for sure. The gays were buried in that yeah, movie the gays were more really ways than one. Tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find all of your books, all of your stuff. Where can they go? Yeah, uh, I'm Charlie Jane on Twitter, just like one word. My website is charliejane.com. And on Instagram, I'm charliejaneanders. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. I had such fun. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was lovely. Let me hear you say hip, hip, hip. We love hearing from you and building community, so we want to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. And we would like to shout out Tomary Stoltz, who reached out to us on Instagram with a should have been gay suggestion for any movie featuring Devin Sawa in the 90s, Now and Then, Little Giants, Casper, that classic tomboy lesbian. We have done Now and Then, Tomary, if you haven't gotten there, listen to that one. But we can agree we love a 90s tomboy vibe. They're just, they are ripe with material for should have been gays every time. We also want to shout out a fun recent response to some of our cute and gays from our first episode of season five from one of our favorite potatoes, Ello, who let us know that she has written already two things, a magical fantasy book that I'm very excited to read and that also uh, they're working on a Christmas romance book, which just inject it straight into my veins, please. And thank you. That's all I have to say. So Ella, we're excited. We want, you know, like the advanced release copies whenever they're ready, please. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. And keep creating things, all of you, and let us know when you're creating them and send them our way because it's so cool. As always, we want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Jess Klaus, Tanya Ferguson, Jacqueline Rose Nishino, Saren Julia, Carrie Ann Lawrence, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen, Lizette Stye, Stacy, Aidy Benitez, Fiona W., and our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Henley, Liz Chen, and Julia Gonzalez. Thank you all so much. As always, we could not keep doing this podcast without you. Our patrons are just the best. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they go up every week. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Flame on all your podcasting apps. If you haven't listened to it, you can listen to it for the first time. And if you have listened to it, we know you've listened to it many, many times. So keep listening. We also are going to have videos going up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch those. If you want to support the podcast, the cheapest way to do that is to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps other people find the podcast. If you want to support us financially, you can join our Patreon at bit.ly slash lespatreon. It helps us make the podcast. It's going to help us uh, like actually pay Ellie and Kristen for all of the time that they're spending doing Yippee. all the cool things 
um, like editing the podcast and getting us guests and stuff. And you get some cool perks like ad-free episodes and access to our super cool exclusive Discord channel and all sorts of fun stuff that we do in there. So I'm just saying check it out. That's all I'm saying. If you want to help support The Flame as well, you can join our Flame Patreon at bit.ly slash The Flame Patreon. That will help us bring The Flame to the stage and also make an entirely new musical for next season, which is going to be very exciting. If you want to find our merch, we have merch and all of our designs for both Let's Hang Out and The Flame that you can find on our Tee Public. We have all sorts of designs and you can get them on t-shirts, on tank tops, on sweatshirts, on totes, on all sorts of cool stuff. You can find it at bit.ly slash lesshop. If you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang